Welcome, everybody, to episode 158 of the Metabolus 2 podcast, which features David. And Ben. And we're going to continue going sideways, Ben, aren't we? Like a crab. Like a macra. <laughs> we scutter and skitter sideways. With our claws snapping. Our evil macra claws snapping, just looking for Ben or Polly to devour. Yeah, that's us. Yep. Sideways. We turn left. Or do we turn right? Ah. Yeah. Yeah. Another sideways story, turn left. Definitely a sideways story, yeah. So last time we talked a little bit about Planet of the Giants, how that was probably the first sideways episode. Anything else that comes to mind in the good old Hartnell era as a sideways who? Well, the gunfighters has got to be sideways. Oh, how, how do you figure? Well, I mean, okay, this is what we were talking about last week. All who is in some ways sideways because it yes. doesn't really take place in the real world. Mm-hmm. But the gunfighters, because it really takes place in a kind of Roy Rogers, you know, kind of BBC Sunday afternoon Western mm-hmm. rather than the actual. I mean, it takes place in a movie Wild West is where mm-hmm. it does. And actually, kind of thinking about it, another sideways who from the Hartnell era has got to be Feast of Stephen. Huh. Which also takes place in like old Hollywood and, you know, in Zed cars. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've never seen it. You've never seen it. No one is ever, no one who's, well, actually, there are people who are alive who've seen it, but no one is ever going to see it again. So we don't really know what happens in the Feast of Stephen. But I mean, I think those are two episodes. I mean, one is a single episode, the other is a full story that take place in a kind of film world rather than in a real world. That's why I think they're sideways. Okay, that's kind of interesting because generally we would lump the gunfighters definitely into a historical along with the Romans because the Romans certainly isn't uh, really depictive of ancient Rome. True, but then, I mean, the the, the well, okay, well, I mean, I guess in certain countries, you know, the kind of, the, the Rome... The Roman movie is like a genre. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess if you, you know, if you think about Italy and kind of, sword and sandal epics of the 60s and 70s mm-hmm. yeah it is a genre but the western the kind of american saturday afternoon western you know it's a film genre it's not actually supposed to be real mm-hmm. it's like um i don't know it's like shakespeare or something it's like a james bond type thing it's not real but it's sort of real I yeah guess. well it's like you know shakespeare was wasn't writing like you know when he was writing macbeth he wasn't like writing this is the real history of the King of Scotland called Macbeth. He knew he knew that was nonsense. It was just you know it was a it was a it was an envelope in which to tell a story, and that's what the you know the American black and white serialized westerns were. I think. I mean, I don't know anything about them, obviously, as is obvious. <laughs> um, but they're not real. Mm-hmm. So I I would say that the gunfighters is the Doctor and his companions have slipped sideways into a fictionalized version. It's, they've slipped sideways into an American Saturday afternoon TV Western show. Hmm, okay. Though, I mean, again, so with, I, I, you've asked me a question about Hartnell. I mean, there's surely also the Celestial Toymaker. Is that a sideways story? I would think so. It's definitely, yeah, I, I'm I, for a loss of words. But yes, I think Toymaker <laughs> is total fantasy. Yeah, and I think if you look at Toymaker, where you have the characters from the play... Mm-hmm. which of course can't remember what they are but you know the whoever those characters were that they couldn't actually call those characters because they were from a play um and like billy bunter i mean it's all you know this is all fictional characters it's very lewis carroll where you have the playing cards become yeah, light, alive yeah. and dolls yeah. dancing dolls and wind up robot and which again as i think we said before you know most of who of the 60s and 70s is written by middle-aged white men 
who were thinking about the stories that they were told or read when, you know, when they were kids, like Alice in Wonderland. Gunfighters is kind of, you know, what were you staring at on the television in the 1950s? Um, so, I mean, as unreal as the Toymaker's Land is with Billy Bunter, etc., that that Billy Bunter is the same level of, of unreality as Wyatt Earp mm-hmm. and the Clanton Brothers and, you know, the song on the on the piano, pia- mm-hmm. piano, whatever they call it, piano. I'm trying to do an American mm-hmm. accent for piano. Mm-hmm. But, you know, um, yeah, so that's my take. Yeah, I think it's definitely Sideways Who in that it is outside of time and space. It does uh, have a very fantastic setting where things that wouldn't normally be animate or alive are acting. So whether it be toys or, uh, you know, playing cards or you know, right. characters out of fiction. Another one of Sideways Who, I think, from the Hartnell era would be the Space Museum, at least that first episode where they go see themselves, Vicky, Ian, Barbara, and the Doctor, see themselves in the museum. And that, that whole first episode of the Space Museum is very, uh, time has slipped. It's, it's, a, it's a timey-wimey Sideways episode. Yeah, yes, Space yes, cool. yes, of course, Space Museum as well. Yeah, absolutely. But then, like with much of Who, it then kind of goes into your more standard sci-fi. And when it does with the Space Museum, when you start dealing with the political struggle with the Morox and the Xerons rebelling, that is when it becomes more of the standard sci-fi. Right. But that first episode really is a sideways spit. And that and and really that's the best episode I think in that four parter is that first episode where they see themselves as museum pieces. Yeah, I mean I think that's something that Doctor Who consistently does well over, you know, other serialized sci fi shows. It does weirdness very well. Oddness and strangeness and sidewaysness. Mm-hmm. Would you consider something like the web planet to be strict sci-fi? Yeah, yeah, that's not that's not sideways. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, yes, it's a planet ruled by insects, but you know, it's a pretty standard. It's like the space museum. You know, there's an evil force that has taken over our butterfly friends mm-hmm. um, and their ant buddies, and that evil force must be overthrown. You know, I mean, it's the it's your standard sci-fi rebels versus oppressiveness. Right. Because they're all insects doesn't make them any less kind of rebels versus oppressiveness. I mean, what's cool about the web planet, of course, is what it looks like. Um, right. That's, you know, that's what's neat about it. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the story itself is kind of, I mean, its trappings are fabulous. Mm-hmm. Um, but the story is pretty much like, well, uh, as, 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 as is only to be expected under the circumstances. Well, I think the chase might be considered sideways, at least the episode where it takes place in the haunted house with all the uh, movie monsters with Dracula, Frankenstein. That seems to me a, a, a fantastic episode in the middle of the chase, a, a sideways episode. Yeah, but it all ends up as being the National Exhibition of Ghana, though, doesn't it? Mm, I suppose. Which never happened. Oh, that's true. <laughs> it is sideways. Wow. <laughs> um, that's true. Yeah, I mean, I think, obviously, it starts out as being as being a, a completely fantastic episode. And then, actually, it kind of caps that by being super cool. It doesn't leave you hanging. It says, okay, yeah, this was an episode that was basically, you know, fantasy sideways trip. But, mm-hmm. you know, also, it was into the future as well. I like it. Okay. I like that. I like that. I like that. I like that kind of um because I mean, you know, our heroes leave 
the scene, don't they? Not really knowing what the hell happened. Right. Um, they don't know that it's the National Exhibition of Ghana, do they? No, I think we find that out just through camera move towards the through end. Through camera move. Yeah, 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 that's yeah, that's true. So, I mean, our hero, I mean, Ian, Barbara, and the Doctor, and Vicky, they leave that planet going like, wow, like, Dracula's are real. And, like, there was a Frankenstein, and we had to fight it right. with Daleks. Um, right. th- that must have, like, blown their minds. <laughs> Which is why they left at the end of the story. <laughs> Which is why they left at the end of the story, exactly. Yeah, I mean, you got to love that Terry Nation, like, week-by-week adventure serial approach to writing who. So I think it's a fine line. I, I'm I'm still wondering about the historical fantasy sideways who if we have if we have more examples of that like with the gunfighters where it you're thinking that is a sideways who because it's really movie who or a saturday you know american serial who yeah saturday morning who here's you know here's i mean for me i mean the uh, the primest slice of sideways who from the 1960s has got to be the dalek movies (laughs) absolutely yeah absolutely because that's totally reinventing the character of the doctor effectively. yeah that's that's who sliding sideways into itself now i guess not so much i guess a reinvention at the time because there was no gallifrey there was no two hearts there's no time lords at the time so all we knew about the doctor is he came from the future and he was an inventor or a scientist and the ship do did we know when did we find out that he stole the tardis that wasn't until later, was it? Oh, goodness. Um, I think someone who knows more about Doctor Who than we do would have to be able to have to answer that question. That's going to be a quiz of Rassilon question. Yeah, that is that is a quiz of Rassilon <laughs> style question. Um, don't know. But yeah, no, I mean, I mean, even if we didn't, I mean, all of that hadn't solidified into, you know, the canon, the law right. of Doctor Who by then. So, um, yeah, they were very free to kind of reinvent not reinvent the character, but sideways the character and, you know, enhance what they felt would be more effective for a single movie Mm -hmm. outing for, you know, a Saturday morning matinee for kids. Yeah. I mean, we literally have the uh, doctor's daughter and granddaughter, I believe. (laughs) Or are they both granddaughter? I can't remember. Uh, I think... uh, All right. To the internets. To the internets. Doctor Who and the Daleks. Dun, dun, dun. dun, dun, dun. 1965. Cast. Who is Barbara? Who is Barbara? His granddaughters. Doctor Who, his granddaughters, Susan and Barbara, and Barbara's boyfriend, Ian. So they're both his granddaughters in that one. Both his granddaughters. There you go. Yep. Roy Castle <laughs> as one of the boyfriends. Yeah. Yep. Um, I mean, and then if you fast forward to um, Dalek Invasion Earth, what is 21, whatever it is. 50. I mean, I was, I think I've probably said this before on the podcast, you know, one of the great, I think, missteps of uh, the New Who era and that episode we referenced at the beginning of the cast, Turn Left, is not having Wilfred Mott remember when he was, before he joined the Paras, he was a policeman in London in the 1960s and had <laughs> had a had a crazy invention an adventure with a, a, a mad professor called Doctor Who and he remembers the Dalek invasion of Earth because yeah, he was there. That would have been awesome in a sideways yeah in a sideways screwed up universe. And that would have been a I think more convincing retcon than some of the later retcons or some of the other retcons that we've done in New Who. 
if we would have made it that would have totally made the doctor who story the doctor who movies canonical in a way that did uh in the zygon invasion inversion where they're sitting in the uh yeah. black vault or whatever and keep having your memory wiped and reset and stuff when we have pictures of uh cushing doctor on the on the walls yeah which is i think as far as i remember that's that's because in the universe of Moffat, Doctor Who, the Cushing movies are their memories, their 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 kind of adaptations of what people think has been going on, right? Yeah, I think that's what the way they're explained. Yeah, yeah it's that it's like you know, Where Eagles Dare is sort of like a movie that kind of is sort of a documentary about the Second World War, even though it isn't. You know, it's it's like a fun dramatization of a mm-hmm. horrible thing mm-hmm. and that's what the Cushing movies are in the Moffat the Moffat Who universe. Yeah. I would much prefer if the if the if the Cushing movies were actually real but in a sideways Who universe and that when when Donna turns the wrong direction under the influence of the weird bug mm-hmm. she enters a universe where her grandfather can remember a time when he met Doctor Who and they went and fought the Daleks. And uh, ate sugar puffs. Or <laughs> and ate, ate sugar puffs, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Sugar puff yeah. ads. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Dalek Mania was pretty run its course. We never did get Doctor Who and the Mekons or the Mechanoids. We never got that third part from the chase. Which is a shame, really. It would have been a good trilogy. Yeah. I, I just remember when I first saw Doctor Who and the Daleks, was so so disappointed i just couldn't yeah. i couldn't make sense of where how, how does this fit and again i was trying to do that whole uh, early fan tendency is just how is everything supposed to fit together what's right. the continuity and i was trying to make the cushing movies fit in some kind of continuity and of course there's no way to make them fit in the continuity unless you how, go sideways yeah how, how old were you when you saw them uh this was early mid teens so 14 15 16 uh i can't remember it was one it was on a uhf channel in the twin cities that okay. originally broadcast uh mystery science theater 3000 ktma right. i think was the station and they were playing this as one of the movies and i was all excited ooh doctor who i didn't know doctor who had a movie so i was going to right. watch yeah. it and sort of like I only recognize the Daleks, and even the Daleks are kind of funky in this. So, what the hell is going on? Yeah, I mean, I saw it. I saw it in the early seventies when it was on when it was first on TV, mm-hmm. uh, and I remember just being like angry at it. It's like, yeah. how dare they yeah. make a movie about Doctor Who and not have Doctor Who in it? Like, right. who is this guy? <laughs> like, because Doctor Who was still on TV. Yeah. And like you why, know why, why wasn't it Pertwee? I, I guess, why wasn't it Tom it Baker? Pertwee? Either Pertwee or Baker. I was like, why haven't they cast like the actual Doctor Who? Why have they cast this old, weird-looking guy? Yeah, because um, I had no kind of you know knowledge that you know it was a movie from ten years ago. Well, I had seen it after Star Wars, so it was Grand Moff Tarkin as Doctor Who. Oh, I just right. was a bridge too right. far for me. I could not swallow uh, <laughs> Tarkin as Doctor Who. And I, you know, then you, there were all the comedy bits with, um, you know, with Roy Castle. Um, I can't remember which one I saw first. I think it was and the Daleks because because yeah, Roy Castle probably. was a was a TV presenter. It's like, why have they got Roy Castle from Record Breakers? Why is he like doing a comedy thing with Daleks now? Mm-hmm. This is just ridiculous. Right. Anyway, yeah. I did not. 
I did not care for it. So it, at it all. wasn't one bit. So like me, I, like you, I guess it was. Uh, it took a while to warm up to the movies. I like them now. I think they're great now. No, yeah. no, no. They're, they're super entertaining, and mm-hmm. of course, you know, Peter Cushing is a you know a hero. Yeah, yeah. A genre hero of, of many, many, many talents. So yeah, absolutely. So I think that's the secret of uh, Doctor Who is just everything is kind of sideways. If if we if we look at every regeneration even as well this is now the sideways take of what came on before it 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 helps i think explain things a little bit better because even even when we go from Hartnell to Troughton and then definitely from Troughton to Pertwee things change right and the show is very different and it's not the way it was before and it could be seen in a regeneration in many ways is uh, is uh the show itself going sideways yeah no absolutely no i agree i agree i agree yeah definitely you had mentioned briefly as sideways who the war machines because we have wotan in the post office tower wotan doctor who is required (laughs) do you want to expand on that at all or was 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 that it was that a good wotan impression i don't know wotan doctor who is required um i think that's pretty good yeah that's pretty good yeah yeah it's like um that, like the computer there, in Alphaville. Alphaville. Ladies and gentlemen, um, there is no voice treatment on that. That is Ben purely, <laughs> purely on himself. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is it? Um, did I? Did I? I can't actually remember saying that now. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's. I think there's side. There's sideways L, and it's the first real uh, contemporary. Well, yeah. Well, the last time that we were in Britain of the 1960s with William Hartnell with the first Doctor, we went sideways. It's Planet of Giants. So the next time that we're in 20th century London, maybe we're also going sideways as well. Post office tower, computer, supercomputers. I mean, it's the first kind of invasion story that takes place in now. Right. I mean, obviously, Dalek Invasion of Earth kind of takes place now because they don't really bother to space it up that much other than saying that it happens in the space year 21, whenever it is. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I think the War Machines is explicitly 1966. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 66. Mm-hmm. And um, that didn't happen in 1966. We're sort of used to things not happening yeah. the way that Doctor Who says that they happen now. Yeah. You know, all the endless invasions of various nasties over the years, axons mm-hmm. and demons and... Uncle Tom Cobley and his friends. Um, uh, so we're used to that. But I mean, this was the first time when it's like, oh, yeah, OK. How come this wasn't in that, the news? <laughs> that didn't actually happen then, did it? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So by some slight extension, one could say that this is the beginning of the sideways mm-hmm. where the 20th century timeline of the Doctor Who 20th century kind of you with the timeline of the Doctor Who's 20th century diverges from our own 20th century timeline yeah and we get more and more examples as the show ages and we have new producers new script editors commissioning stories that we have more and more of these alternative earth stories and just like with the invasion with uh, Patrick Troughton later on with the advent of unit it's entirely unit is an example of perhaps sideways uh, earth history we don't have yeah. united nations intelligent task force at all exactly i'm going to skip too far forward here but i mean just bear with me because it's an idea that i just had and i think it's a fun one wouldn't it have been awesome if in inferno instead of um 
the sideways trip to like you know the fascist England of 1972 we actually <laughs> the doctor went sideways into our 1972 when like there was no <laughs> unit like the doctor was just like some guy uh-huh. it was like in a gas works um mm-hmm. and i don't know it was there was like a bbc science fiction film being made i don't know one could i mean that would be kind of really amusing to like try and imagine what a what an actual side, like a sideways to our universe would look like rather than a sideways to a, like a crazier kind of, you know, Doctor Who universe would look like. Yeah. So the whole sideways for Inferno was that uh, Dix wanted to be able to show the Earth being destroyed. Right. How would you do that? What, what would be the peril? I mean, I guess you could have a pandemic, but that's that wasn't. Well, really... I mean, it's the 19th. I mean, it's the early. You have, you have nuclear war pretty easily. Yeah, but then it, you you go to our Earth, right? And you have, but then again, uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, mm. so yeah, you're always so yeah, you, it has to be destroyed, doesn't it? So it can't be it can't for be for infernal. But you could go sideways into our Earth, our timeline, and there is no unit or there is no uh, support for the Doctor, and it'd be. It'd be almost like midnight where there'd be no one to vouch for him and everyone would be going, yeah, sure, buddy, you're kind of off yeah, your whatever. rocker. Yeah, yeah, you're like a Time Lord. Why, yeah, great, cheers. <laughs> Time Lord, air quotes. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, that's like, I mean, you know, I, I don't know whether you have you've ever listened, you listen, yeah, do you have or have you ever listened to those Big Finish Unbound, Mm-mm. Uh, Mm-mm. those kind of alternative ones where they have a bunch of alternative doctors? One of the, unfortunately, one of the less successful ones is one... The one where the Doctor is a woman, um, played by Arabella Weir, who is basically just an ordinary woman, like, in a kind of comedy relationship, sharing a hmm. flat in London in kind of 1998 or something. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, it's kind of been done, whether, you know, well, I, I guess, you know, uh, the Doctor becomes someone completely ordinary by mistake. I mean, right. that's the, that's basically the plot of Family of Blood and Human Nature, isn't it? Yeah. Which is another kind of sideways one in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. Leaping back to Leaping the 60s. Leaping back to the 60s. Yeah, let's leap back with, to the 60s. Uh, with uh, Troughton, the big tentpole uh, sideways story has to be the mind robber. Right. Where we're going into, we have that whole, that incredible Derek Sherwin first episode where we're in the white void and have the white robots and then wind up in the land of fiction and... They're encountering everyone from literature who are saying only lines from books, etc. But then, of course, like the chase, you know, the kind of pullback and reveal of the final episode is that actually, you know, it's all a computer run by a master and he's about to invade Earth. I mean, that's always been my trouble with the land of fiction is that it's, you know, it ends up just being a uh, just another kind of alien invasion plot. Yeah. Um, rather than like some kind of freaky land, mm-hmm. which of course, you know, I mean, in the books and also in Big Finish, when we return to the land of fiction in the Virgin New Adventures and the Big Finish audios, I mean, it is a kind of freaky land. Um, mm-hmm. And they kind of drop the whole kind of, it's the master on the, the land of fiction with his computer, blah, blah, blah. So, right. anyway, yeah. It's almost as if the writers come up with something creative, but then they don't know what to do with it. They don't know how to bring it home. They don't uh, know how to resolve that creative ending. And so you go with the default of an alien invasion taking over Earth to get the doctor to be the mastermind behind it all or whatever. Because it's it, it seems to me that if you have this alternative, you have this uh, fantastic land, you have almost something 
Matrix-like uh, that Bob Holmes had with the Deadly Assassin, where you could have right. anything happen. And it would have been, I think, really high stakes if Jamie didn't <laughs> return to Fraser Hines. If at that point, it just would have been Hamish Wilson after that. The, the land of fiction actually had impact on the whole storyline that would have been uh, incredible really uh, unfortunate for Fraser but <laughs> yeah unfortunate for Fraser but I mean I mean you'd again I mean you'd have to we, we'd all have to admit it would be completely awesome if during the land of fiction we realized that not only can the doctor regenerate but his companions can regenerate as well and actually <laughs> any any one of these characters can be played by anyone mm-hmm. that would be amazing I hadn't kind of thought of that before but yeah companions can regenerate too well they're doing that now with big finish with recasting yeah, that's true. Yeah, and the the idea that these are characters, not individuals, which right. again is kind of, if you think about it, like sort of makes sense. I mean, it's not as if, you know, Hamlet always has to be played by the first bloke who ever played Hamlet. You regenerate that the look of that character every time you put on that play. Uh-huh. Um, so why shouldn't you, every anytime you want to do a story about the first Doctor... Why do you have to have William Hartnell be the first Doctor? The first Doctor is a character, not right. an individual. I think this is, comes with uh, modernity and recorded entertainment because in the sheet music era, back in the late 1880s, 1890s, you know, 19th century, it mm-hmm. was the sheet music that was, or the, the, it was the song itself that was a hit, not the singer right. of the song. And it wasn't until we had recordings that, the way a certain performer would sing or depict or carry out the role that that becomes definitive and locked into uh, locked into the role interesting so that's with plays yes of course we have many different actors playing hamlet many different actors playing macbeth or many different actors playing god knows how many roles but once that is a, like a recorded piece you kind of get locked in. You're not really expecting anyone other than William Hartnell playing the first Doctor. And then when it does, when you have a Herndell or you have um, the latest chap, whatever his name is. Yeah, him. Him. He's good. Um, yeah, what is he called? Can't remember his name. Carry on. But anyways. David Bradley. Have, uh, yeah. <laughs> bing, bing, bing. <laughs> so when you have <laughs> David Bradley or when you have Herndell or David Bradley step into the role, there's something that feels off because – through the re- it's not the story it's not like we're rereading the target novelization and we have our own mental image of what the doctor looks like we've we've had that imprinted on our memory and he behaves this way he talks this way we can hear it those images are forced and they're more they're more reinforced by being able to have dvds or blu-rays or streaming all on demand and we've moved away from just the story being uh, the story and many different actors or singers can go about doing this. And instead it becomes, well, you want Let It Be by the Beatles. You don't want some cover band doing it. You want If, if you're going to listen to Let It Be, you're going to listen to, you know, the Fab Four sing. But, I mean, I think, I mean, I'm not quite sure I'm going to go with where I'm going, where I'm going with this comparison. But if you think of the other great English, British cultural property that was developed in the 1960s and is still running to this day james bond um the movies yeah i mean that is again that's another regeneration story and you know bond fans tie themselves into knots trying to work out you know is this the same person 
um, from 1963 to 2020. Um, Really? Or is it, is it, is, is 007 simply what they call the person who's 007? Um, I, you know, it's an honor. It's like, it's like, it's like, you know, it's a, it's a title you get if you have, if you reach a particular point in the secret service. But then Uh again, at various points in the James Bond franchise, it's obvious that the character is referring to things that happened to him when he was somebody else. So then that doesn't make sense. Um, Roger Moore kills Blofeld in revenge for Blofeld killing his wife. Well, mm-hmm. James Bond's wife was killed by Blofeld when Blofeld was Telly Savalis and when James Bond was um, George Lazenbury. So, you know, it's, it doesn't make sense. Um, and mm-hmm. even down to... Um, Judy Dench playing M, um, you know she was M for um, for two for two different James Bonds. Yet she treats him as if he is he's 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 not someone who's just got a different. He's a different person with the same title. He is the same person. So um, you know there's there's there is a there is a tradition in kind of British genre uh, genre excitement that has. Okay, it's the same. It's the same guy. He just looks like he just he looks different now. And mm-hmm. he's he's even though he's now incredibly old, um, he still looks roughly the same age. Well, I'm really enjoying on BBC Radio Four the uh, Martin Jarvis presents James Bond when they have uh, Toby Stevens oh, nice. playing James Bond, and what the Jarvis's uh, production company is doing is they're doing a, a more uh, exact translation of the, of the books. Fleming novels. Right. Yeah. So they're sticking more closely to it. So Moonraker is going to be vastly different from the Roger Moore version of Moonraker, for example. So I think the James Bond franchise gets away with it because there's, well, James Bond is a human, right? They haven't invented this whole uh, mythology of regeneration and our current showrunner is obsessed by that, it seems like. Apparently, yes. But I'm not sure that Doctor Who, with now, what, 57, 50, whatever number of years of, of the program with this kind of same person throughout time and space, it, it doesn't work as well. I think James Bond, you just accept that this is a different James Bond, and there's really no continuity, especially now with uh, Daniel Craig... I, the Daniel Craig Bond, James Bond world is entirely different from the uh, uh, Sean Connery James Bond world of the early '60s. It it's a different vibe. It's a different setup. It's a different. It's almost a retelling in some ways, and it would be more close to I think what they were thinking of with the with the. Uh, Paul McGann, Doctor Who, if they were going to retell some of the classic stories, but just reset them with the with the Paul McGann Doctor, yeah, which I and think I think, I mean, I think I it's think, more of that. I think they and they, I think they were actually thinking about James Bond when they were doing that. I mean, I think that's what what they were kind of you know taking their uh, taking their cue from in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, cue, cue. Uh, <laughs> of course, as you as I'm sure you all know, Toby Stevens was an excellent Bond villain in Die Another Day. Yeah, he was, and that was a uh, Pierce Brosnan, wasn't it? Gustav Graves, yes, exactly. He was the only good thing actually in that, and it's it's not was not the highlight of the Brosnan era, in my opinion. Well, Brosnan came to the role, I think, a little too late. He, he was uh, 
tied up with Remington Steel, wasn't he? For he was tied up with long. Remington Steel. I mean, they offered it. They offered it to him originally, and and he, he couldn't take it, so he went to Timothy Dalton, mm-hmm. um, which is why Dalton only did it for a couple of years, and then they went straight back to Brosnan again. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. And Craig is sick of it, and I guess he's doing it one last time. So. One last time, and they got to find another one. Um, so, yeah, I said Bond fans are agog with um, who's going to be the new James Bond after they're done with them. Um... Craig. 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 Daniel Craig. Um, back to Doctor Who, though. Yeah. Uh, any more Troughton sideways looks? A sideways look at Patrick Troughton? Well, I mentioned the invasion because we have it set in contemporary... Uh, England and it definitely is not contemporary it's uh, alternative earth you have uh, and then we talked about previously that things become sideways de facto by aging out so we have the enemy of the world which took place in space year 2018 when real year 2018 came by it, right. de- it became a sideways alternative earth episode so you can look at it that way that things are retroactively sideways it's certainly not what they had in mind by the production team when they were making it but then as a contemporary viewer when we are looking back at this historical television it does become a little bit sideways yeah i mean i think you know just to go back to hartnell again you know we can also reference um uh 10th planet you know that really didn't happen in 1986 Mm -hmm. Um, yeah true as much as ian levine might have wanted it to be the case um Though, of course, it could have happened. No, could it have happened? No. I mean, I guess the action takes place at Snowcat Base, but it's, you know, it's the kind of, the effect of the 10th planet is, is happening all over the world. So, yeah, yeah no, 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 yeah, no, it does. It, it, yeah. But conversely, if we go into the Pertwee era, I think something like the Silurians could have happened. Yeah. You could have contained a plague, the Silurian plague in London, in a small enough uh, manner. The invasions, and use that uh, term loosely, very liberally here, uh, was in a small enough scale, contained enough that only a few people would know the the plague was small enough, only a few people died. It could have been hushed up and covered up. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think in some ways that's the implication of a lot of those kind of season seven yeah. stories. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess maybe less so the ambassadors of death, dun, 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 um, because there's a space program, etc., which mm-hmm. obviously didn't happen. But, um, uh, you know, the, I, and I, you know, or could the, the Ortons could have been hushed up, I guess, depending on how widespread those shop dummies were. Yeah. But certainly it's the Silurians. Yeah. I mean, you know, who cares what goes on in Derbyshire, to be honest. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> but here, here, folks, don't care what happens in Derbyshire. But that small scale invasion where it's contained when it's just the vanguard, the spearhead, spearhead from space. Uh, I think that works really well within Doctor Who because you have that plausibility that it could be happening just down the road that you are totally unaware of it. Yeah. And you could you could set something in uh, lockdown Earth, in pandemic Earth, where <laughs> the COVID-19 virus is just a big global cover <laughs> for an alien invasion or something like that. Well, I think that was already done in Close Encounters of the Third Kind, wasn't it? When, you know, the oh, yeah. <laughs> American government fakes a chemical weapons accident to cover up its first contact with aliens. So, yeah. 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 I remember that really confused me because I saw Close Encounters when I was maybe slightly too young for it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hang on, what? there's like some chemical weapons thing now? What the hell? <laughs> this is documentary, right? <laughs> what? 
<laughs> change into a different film all of a sudden. Um, of course, now that I'm older, I realise that it was a government plot. Mm-hmm. Well, the aliens were all plausible. It wasn't until they put the chemical weapons dump or the chemical pit that, that you did the double take. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, so that's is, is that, that that that's all the Trouton sidewaysness, right? We can't think of any more Trouton sideways activity. Hmm. Well, I mean, you have the Web of Fear, which is again contemporary story, but it's uh, you have an evacuation of London that no one remembers. Yeah. So yeah. Y- you start with that type of um, premise where it's alternative Earth, but I think for my money that the Doctor Who doesn't really uh, <laughs> Doctor Who diverged from Earth probably at the time that the Doctor kidnapped Ian and Barbara, and right. they may think they sense. got back to London 1965 in their own timeline, but uh, chances are they didn't, and they, uh, you know, that would have been a good explanation why. Uh, like uh, no one has heard of them before because they were on another earth that they don't know how to get back to. Cause I'm a, I'm a big, big proponent of the uh, parallel earth, the multiverse. Oh, right. Yeah. Entirely. I think in, 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 well, I mean, I said entirely plausible, a lot more plausible than it being one single earth, certainly. one single earth with fixed points that everyone has to follow in order to get uh, back to where they started. No. And again, I mean, I think, as I've said on many occasions on this podcast, what's great about Doctor Who is that it's a mess, not that it's coherent. Mm-hmm. And the more like all good things, the more you look at Doctor Who, the less it makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is, in some ways, the definition of something that's good, in my opinion. It's what makes it interesting on rewatch. It's why people spend hours podcasting, writing books, going to conventions on it. It's because it's... 158 hours in our case. (laughs) I think it's... uh, I can't remember how many days, but it's more than a day solid. So you would have (laughs) to... (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, no, it's, it's why it's such a fertile, fertile ground. It's why we're still talking about the show... 57 years after it first debuted is because it's really it's really complicated and awesome and repays uh repays close study without that close study actually meaning anything you know like a like 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 a lot of most complicated things you have to kind of work mm-hmm. hard to like make sense of them the great thing about doctor Who is there is no sense to be made so all the work that you do is purely fun rather than serious which is what's nice about it yeah and like MASH, is, it was a very long-running show, but I, to my knowledge, there's no conventions, there's no annual gathering down in L.A. or, yeah. you know, alternative audio dramas for it. There's no quiz of Hawkeye. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hot Lips quiz. Um, um, no, exactly. Or yeah. Cheers, another big series in the 80s. Um even like East Enders, I don't. Is there East Enders Con or Coronation Street Con? No, but I mean the weird con actually that happened last year was there's a there's a Peaky Blinders Con now. Everyone got obsessed by Peaky Blinders and started dressing up as characters from Peaky Blinders really? and doing Peaky Blinder things. Mm-hmm. Um, would you? So that was weird. Would your daughter have been in that? Or? Uh, no, but my wife, my wife ended up being being kind of enjoying Peaky Blinders a bit. Um, really? Yeah. Did she go to the con dress up? No. <laughs> No, she's not really a con-going person, my, my wife, sadly. Yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. bit like yours, really, in many ways. Yeah, a bit like me, I guess, I've decided. <laughs> and also you, too. That is also true. That is also true. Yeah, yeah. I think the big uh, sideways who in the Pertwee era isn't so much Inferno, but Carnival of Monsters, where we have the Miniscope and the SS Bernice. Very true. Which is very literal sideways, where you're exploring other dimensions, 
with the giant hand coming in and that cliffhanger at the end of part one, I think. Yeah, very, very, all very Twilight Zone and all that. Yes, definitely. I mean, again, it's a great first mm-hmm. episode because like The Mind Robber and The Land of Fiction, like you've got no idea what's going on. Right. Like what the hell is just, what the hell is happening here? You know, or, or Space Museum, actually. That's one we were talking about, wasn't it? Yeah. Like yeah. Space Museum, like no one knows. No one knows what, 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 what is this? Which is great. And that's exactly how it should be. And unlike the Space Museum, and actually a little bit unlike the Mind Robber, um, Carnival of Monsters pulls it off. Yep. You know, you do have a satisfying, uh, yet also in-universe makes sense resolution to the miniscope. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's well done. Mm-hmm. You know, you have the serious world that's kind of inside the miniscope. Um, and then you have the joke world that's kind of outside of the miniscope when mm-hmm. actually those things should be reversed. That's all the always what kind of amuses me about Carnival of Monsters is that the cartoon world is outside of the television mm-hmm. and actually it's inside the television set is where you get the serious world, which is, which is kind of, you know, a nice both inversion but also, a, well, as, as is a mirror, a mirror image of the real world. I wonder if that was subconscious or deliberate on Holmes's part because the external, the comedy world is... I believe lampooning BBC uh, rules and regulations and television production, if memory serves. Yeah, and I mean, I, th- I, I mean, I would have said, you know, it's, it's, it's. I would have said that's that's pretty deliberate. I mean, I think, I think Holmes was a really, really smart writer. I, I think it's, you know, it's so sad that he's not, he's not around, that he never lived long enough to really be part of who fandom mm. etc and we never really got to really interrogate him about <laughs> what he was doing not the mind probe no no not the mind probe but yeah i'm sure that i mean a lot of that's deliberate you know and the, the yeah. sat- i mean like you know like the satire of, of the sun makers you know which <laughs> is um he's, yeah. he was just and again yeah, it's true yeah, yeah it's you know and it's a satire that is um satisfying as a story as well as a satire you know yeah yeah. so yeah definitely deliberate this is a hallmark of what holmes would do with his writing yeah yeah any favorites sideways in the pertwee era then um well well okay here's another sideways here's another pertwee sideways is um day of the daleks true enough and that falls i think into the alternative divergent timeline of doctor who uh, sideways from our earth i guess yeah you know it's a bootstrap paradox styly styly thing have we have we ever had it with has there been you know big finish virgin new adventure style fiction set in the daleks successfully invaded earth timeline don't know probably not um that'd be a fun place to revisit well but no it'd be a horrible place to re- revisit because the daleks have invaded earth and we're being stamped under their casters imagine a human <laughs> face being rolled on by a dalek caster forever hmm. <laughs> yeah that's that's alternative that's that sideways mm-hmm. yeah it's a divergent timeline timey-wimey timey-wimey wibbly-wobbly yeah so i think anything that's contemporary set contemporary by the current showrunners that is divergent from our true reality i guess is uh, sideways yeah i'd say that i'd agree with that one it's the parallel Earth. It becomes more and more sideways. The show becomes, you know, it just revolves true, round and round and spins off more and more different versions of various timelines until mm-hmm. in, in the end it stops mattering. Yeah. And then you have Moffat who tries to do the whole hard reboot where everything in the past was thrown away and the as a, in, into the crack and it's all amy's memory of the earth that we've restarted it and none of no one remembers anything and 
it's a reset for for him at least but not really for the show because people you know do start remembering things that are, that they need to remember uh, yeah yeah right. obviously it's just it's just moffitness you know I, right. I've, I've, i'm i'm soft i'm i'm starting to soften a little bit on moffit now <laughs> now that we've got chib in charge chib no yeah. it took chib, chib no to do it <laughs> chib is the new enemy um <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, it's 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 just Moffitness, you know. He's a Moffit will what a Moffit does, you know. They can't <laughs> they can't help themselves. They can't help themselves, you know. They got minds like spiral staircases. Mm. Well, if you look at the self-contained invasion uh, at the beginning of the Pertwee era with the Silurians, yeah. and then at the end you have an evacuation of London with uh, giant prehistoric monsters in the invasion of the dinosaurs you have that further divergence where, okay, you don't remember London being evacuated then, do you? <laughs> right. It, did, it didn't happen. Right, right, right. Yeah. And so by producers and uh, script editors upping the stakes to make it, well, we're sending this in London, all a web of fear or invasion of the dinosaurs, you further diverge from Earth. You're in sideways time and it becomes... Uh, you can look at it as a, a modern parable, like maybe Threads and Survivors. Right, right. Because, I mean, those are effectively the same type of genre of sideways uh, contemporary fiction. Yeah, true, true. Well, I even, I'm even more with the, with. I mean, again, what's kind of funny and interesting about Invasion of the Dinosaurs is that the timeline is so divergent from our own timeline is that, you know, when Sarah finds herself on a spacecraft en route to a colony planet, um, <laughs> she immediately believes that. Right. <laughs> and it's amazing to her when she discovers that it's it's not actually true. Um, right. Whereas like, my first reaction, having been, you know, knocked unconscious, you know, rendered unconscious and then found myself on a colony ship to another planet, my first reaction would be, this is just a set, you're all pretending, mm -hmm. uh, which indeed they were. Well, you have the British space program, you have the British space True. program in Ambassadors of Death, you have uh, uh, Carrying On with Guy Cryford in Android Invasion, another kind of sideways setting in contemporary Britain at the time in 1975. So the world that Sarah lives in, there is a British space program and colony ships probably aren't that uh, far of a stretch. They're entirely, entirely, yeah, not beyond her, not beyond her, her, her understanding. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And she covered it for her magazine. That's true. She did cover it for <laughs> those, those British colony ships. Exactly. <laughs> if, we, if we start looking at every episode that sits in contemporary England, effectively, in, in the classic era and contemporary Earth, uh, every, every subsequent story that has that setting is sideways because it just doesn't happen. Yes. The Doctor Who stories don't happen on the Earth that we have. So even something like The Towns of Wang Chang, which is set in a historical thing, mm -hmm. it's set in a Fu Manchu horror, hammer horror filmic universe is that a sideways thing or is that meant to be literal uh victorian historical setting i i think this is doctor who it's both that and also the other it's it's neither and 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 it's both things and neither okay the kind of theme that we're developing here is really is that the longer who goes on the more everything yes. is sideways Anything that touches Earth or any touches anything that's contemporary becomes sideways. So like giant robot or robot, android invasion, city of death even. They're all sideways Doctor Who. Yeah, in the, you know, the dinosaur invasion, 
doesn't happen in the same universe as a city of death yeah yeah they happen in different universes and then like image of the fendal i would even go as far as fendelman's universe isn't the same universe that harry and sarah were in true or same same earth Same earth. yeah yeah i i I'd go with that as well yeah yeah i mean attack of the cybermen doesn't take place in the same universe as stones of blood right yeah or even invasion and attack of the cybermen probably aren't in the same universe no they're not it's even though they same earth sorry same earth same even earth. though they ostensibly have the same kind of your attack has a kind of a silly continuity obsessed plot that the obsession of the continuity in Attack of the Cybermen combined with the lack of continuity in terms of kind of set design and everything else means that they have to take place in on on divergent timelines. They cannot take place in the same on the same Earth as Tenth Planet and Invasion mm-hmm. because they're different Cybermen for a start, and then yeah. everything else is different right. too. And two with the Cybermen as well. Yeah, I mean. Except for Michael Kilgariff. Except for Michael Kilgariff. Who, who looks exactly the who same. Who looks exactly the same, <laughs> only completely different. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, which is which is pretty much, you know, the definition of a divergent timeline. It's something that is exactly the same, only completely different. You just change one or two bits and yeah. to explore what would it be like in that particular setting. What what would it be like if the cyber leader had grown fatter <laughs> in the intervening too years? Too many pork pies. Too many pork pies the down the cyber canteen. Exactly. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. These pork pies are excellent. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. He's a cyber Santa. So, do we really go that much sideways unless we're on Earth in the Baker, Tom Baker era? No, we don't. Only, only, really only the Matrix. Yeah, which is science fiction and the setting is Gallifrey. Yeah. And up until this uh, last season, Gallifrey has been kind of the uh, fixed continuity, maybe perhaps since the War Games, that the Doctor doesn't go back in time in Gallifrey. Gallifrey's always progressed in time since the last time he was there. You're always kind of moving forward with Gallifrey. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm thinking where we start to go sideways then in like the Davison era is we have something like Castor Velva, which is an entirely sideways planet, entirely fictionalized planet that the Master creates in his uh, web. True. With a uh, transfer computations with Adric, etc. That's the one. And then we have uh, like Kinda with the Mara, the alternative world that Tegan finds herself in, the, the parallel mind, you know, psychological uh, true, true. Sideways world. True. But beyond that, when you go look at things like uh, Modern Undead, and you're looking at the. Ju- is it Jubilee Day? When, uh, 1977. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the Silver Jubilee. Yep. Silver Silver Jubilee with uh, for uh, Elizabeth and then with the Brigadier. That's again alternative Earth. And really, that Brigadier, I'm not sure, is the same Brigadier that we saw no. last in uh, Terror of the Zygons. And it's not the same Brigadier as we, as we see again in um, Battlefield. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a different brigadier. Yeah, it's a divergent yep. brigadier, yep. effectively. It's a parallel brigadier, uh, close enough, but still, still different. different. Exactly. No, you're entirely correct. So I think skipping over the 80s, effectively, because, like you said, the, the hypothesis or that we're advocating is the more and more that we're on contemporary Earth, the less and less 
parallel it is. I mean, you could look at survival. That's even that's more close to contemporary uh, 1989, 1988 than a true alien invasion story. You you could envision a few people going missing or being killed by Absolutely. the cats and being transported sideways into this uh, the survival world. But uh, you go something like stepping back to Silver Nemesis or Remembrance. Uh, Remembrance definitely is alternative Earth. Yeah, I mean, Remembrance of the Daleks and Survival can't really take place in the same on the same Earth. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, again, I would have said that Planet of the Spiders and Survival could take place on the same Earth because they both feature uh, space-traveling domestic animals. Oh, Not domestic animals, space-traveling uh, backyard <laughs> creatures. Like uh, domesticated spiders. Yeah, like spiders. <laughs> spiders that can travel through space and time and cats that can travel through space and time. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the spiders are evil and the cats are sort of ambiguous. Like all cats are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where, like, like all spiders are evil and all cats are ambiguous. Yeah. So yeah. I guess trying to put a neat little bow on it with like the TV movie, 1999 is the setting Again, it's alternative Earth. It's a it's slightly different timeline than what we experienced. And then you go into the RTD era where you have the World War Three and the aliens of London. And the, we're in a parallel world. We're not quite in the same Earth that we are. In. And uh-huh. we were closer at the beginning of Rose than we were when Aliens of London was. And it seems like you, right. you, you set that marker point where that companion gets on board on the show or starts begins, begins his or her travels with the Doctor. And then even though they're trying to get back, you have RTD's concept of fixed points, the Earth is still diverging from that plausible first story. Well, of course, the Doctor, this, this does fit in. You could imagine this happening and then by the time you get to Aliens of London, which is just, what, th- three or four episodes later, we're, we're totally divergent. And that seems to be the template that goes through now in Modern Who completely. Yeah. No, exactly. 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 All right. Well, thank you for listening to episode 158 of the Metabules 2 podcast. I have been talking with Ben. And I have been slowly falling sideways through time with David. Goodbye. <laughs>